This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. That is blockbases.com. So welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we talk all things Cosmos, which we daily about what's going on. And then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem. And today we're honored to have Eric and Ethan on uh, the space today, uh, who represents Astro Vault, the uh, decks that just launched uh, and went live on uh, Archway. Welcome, Eric and Ethan. Appreciate you having us. So we like to uh, start these spaces, as you probably know already, uh, if you listen to a few of them, with a little bit of a personal touch on uh, how you guys ended up working and building uh, Astro Vault. Because people in Cosmos and crypto in general, they uh, they come from all walks of life, really. Some people are very technical, some people have an economics or financial background, some people are more creative and design-focused. So what's your story, guys? I'll let uh, any of you uh, start first, however you want to do it. Yeah, so I can give a little background on myself. Um, I started off in the traditional tech sector working for companies like Hewlett, Verizon, Hewlett Packard, Verizon, um, AT&T, various uh, telecom providers and things like that. Um, I kind of stayed out of crypto for a great many years up until about 2016, 2017. Um, I kind of figured before that that the government would come in and regulate crypto to hell and they just didn't. And so um, when, once I saw that there was more uh, room on the field than I had anticipated, I started getting involved as a day trader and um, did that for quite a while. Um, enjoyed some success because uh, we were still pretty bullish back then. And um, that's how I met Eric originally. But uh, yeah, through, through the process of messing around in DeFi and using a bunch of different protocols firsthand myself, uh, I started to have a whole lot of frustrations with the way that these things were working and the way that they were going under because they were just, it's just like changing underwear. You know, every time you turn around, there's a new DEX. And um, it's quite frustrating <laughs> to watch people invest in these tokens and believe in these technologies and to just get outright burned. And uh, to, to experience that myself was not pleasant. So um, Eric and I started talking about, you know, how we could how we could make a DEX and how we could make one that would be sustainable. And so we we um, ideated our project and uh, got together with a few of our developer friends and uh, the rest is history. Eric, you want to give a little background on yourself? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Ethan. Yeah, I started off in um, <laughs> as far as crypto is concerned, I got banned everywhere from card counting and needed a new side hustle. I was working in the casino industry. But before then, I studied economic philosophy. <laughs> in uh in, in college and um yeah really really heavily into game theory which is what led me to go the casino industry route um that did a lot of cool stuff there uh innovated a lot of things towards like gaming at least in california as well as um like futures bets in uh like liquidity provision for futures bets in casinos which like back before that was a thing at all there's still so much more advancement to make that more efficient that we'll pursue eventually but um 
Uh, yeah, just looking for a new side hustle after getting banned from card counting, got into uh, got into crypto, just swing trading and exploiting just terrible protocols. And uh, it, it was just, it was cool and easy, but it was also really frustrating just like the the amount of, um, like, like I agree with the ethos. I, I believe in what DeFi stands for. I don't think that you should have to have a quarter million dollars to have the right to like go lose your own money. Like I think that we people should have freedom to use their own money and to invest in stocks and to do whatever they want with it. Lose their own money by themselves, you know. Just that I'm against the lack of freedom in um in, in the monetary in monetary markets. Uh, so we wanted to make DeFi better, and it's not on track to succeed at all right now. We see the turnover and everything. Like they hype up vanity metrics like they matter. And we're trying to bring business into Web3 and stop, uh, I think I've recently been calling them science fair projects, stop all these things that are like, oh, cool, this is cool tech. But realistically, developers have absolutely no business designing economies. Even economists have no business designing economies. Economics is making the current markets as efficient as possible. But it starts with a base assumption that the current markets make sense, and they fundamentally don't right now. Beautiful. And Ethan, uh, about reg regula regulation and legislation, I think uh, let's not jinx it uh, too too soon. Uh, I know, right? They're coming, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're going to play ball a lot more than I initially anticipated, though. I kind of figured they would come in and shut everything down. Like, I, I didn't think that Bitcoin would get to where it was. You know, I didn't think that Bitcoin would even, like, really be a thing back then, you know? Um, Truly. Truly, I, I did not believe in the market outlier. at all until until I started getting into the technology, and it, that's really what drew me in originally was the the really fascinating technology and the things that people were doing out here. And what pissed me off, definitely, man. And let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the different ecosystems because I think most people getting into crypto and blockchain they first hear about Bitcoin, then uh, sixteen seventeen hits, and uh, we all hear about Ethereum. If you're somewhat technical, that's cool because you can start doing things with blockchain. And slowly but surely, you start hearing about interoperability, perhaps even even modularity, uh, and Cosmos comes on your radar. So talk to us before we, we dive straight into Astro Vault. Talk to us a little bit about your journey to Archway in this case, because I think Archway obviously is uh, super exciting these days. It, it just dropped and uh, went live on mainnet, etc. So talk to us about your sort of uh, journey towards Archway, building on Archway. Yeah, so um, around last July, we, we had already been building like this idea, this concept, and we were like, we, we need a home for it. We don't like the app chain thesis as much as Cosmos really does. Uh, just in general, running the blockchain is expensive and does not mean more revenue. So we're really bullish on apps and less bullish on chains themselves. That being said, it has to exist on chain. And we wanted a solid hub that would be well integrated Uh, that would give us an opportunity to show our success. And we had been reaching out to a bunch of different layer ones to trying to gauge feedback. And we really liked not only the team behind Archway, but also just their ethos of like, look, everybody eventually is going to have the tech, right? Everybody's going to have integrations. We need something that makes sense, like makes fundamentally sense from an economic perspective. And so we, we really saw eye to eye there and um, decided to go build there. I went to Columbia to Cosmoverse representing Astro Vault and met the team in person. A week hit it off really well, and so they ended up uh, hiring me actually to be their tokenomics lead. So if you read the economics paper for um, for Archway, that is like it's got my name on it. I wrote it. I did all the modeling. I did the design for it. Today's actually my last day as the tokenomics lead. I'm graduating, going uh, back to full time Astro Vault. 
and staying on advising there. But um, yeah, just really seeing eye to eye on the economic innovation that needs to take place in this space. It's been like, it's finally starting to get enough attention, but people still are, are completely lost. And it, it's nice to be a part of a chain that's fundamentally leading this push. It's fun to hear that, uh, yeah, uh, the focus on apps and not chains uh, when you uh, derive it from app chains. Um, and I, I tend to agree, like, and the the two is almost blending uh, together these days, it seems like. But um, we don't need to dwell on that. I think we should just dive straight into Astro Vault. There's a lot to cover here. And I think just off the bat, before you give sort of a high-level helicopter explanation of what Astro Vault does different, let's start with, I think, what a lot of people think when they hear about a new DEX. It's like, ah. Oh, a new DEX. I mean, do we need another one? We got, we got so many DEXs uh, already. But I think the, the sort of the headline from your from your white paper uh, encompass a lot of the reasons why we need AstroVault. And the, the 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 title is evolving the AMM model past pre money speculation. I think that's a very interesting uh, title that you chose there. It's it's longer than that. I just uh, took it out of uh, context there. But uh, tell us about AstroVault and why it's. Why is basically different from uh, from other Texas out there? Ethan, you want this one? No. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. So a big issue with AMMs, a big issue with DeFi. The reason you see this, oh, um, Ethan's actually server muted right now. If you could unmute him. Sorry. Okay. Well, one that... second. Oh, I don't know if. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Maybe I'm just having some technical issues. Apologies. Go ahead. Right. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, um, our issue with AMMs, our issue with DeFi, our issue with a lot of what's gone in Web3 is, you know, I, I tweeted about this pretty recently, but everyone's worried about tokenomics without a product being vaporware, which is true, but products without proper tokenomics that don't capture value, that don't create value, that aren't businesses, that have no revenue, that don't itemize their clients, they're absolutely science fair. You're building great tech, but how are you supposed to sustain a nine-figure valuation when you have no revenue, like that doesn't make sense. And so you see this turnover in AMMs that have to like give out a whole bunch of incentives to attract liquidity, but those incentives are only based on the valuation of their token, which gets farmed and dumped. And then the liquidity doesn't stay because they don't actually earn anything to keep it. And so they just move on and just raid and destroy another decks. I mean, you saw in the last bull market, groups were um, fundraising like at nine figure valuations as a Delta neutral trading strategy, earning 40% APR. And like literally, oh, you can earn 40% APR with zero risk. How does this work? And they're, they're longing and shorting and farming the governance token of Mirror, which they could just sell into the dirt because it genuinely is disgustingly overvalued. And, and that's not sustainable. Like if we want real businesses to integrate and use DeFi instead of traditional banking uh, and to have this on-chain availability for their consumers, you need to have something that can hold up against them. If Olympus Dow takes their massive like liquidity treasury, which they're basically like a, a giant super liquidity providing hero, and they deploy other places than, uh, than Uniswap, they're going to farm and sell the governance token. And no governance tokens can withstand that selling pressure because they cannot justify their valuations because they have no revenue. And so what we want to showcase is instead of this migration towards um, towards concentrated liquidity, which we will do some things for, but that's because people are recognizing, okay, real yield is trade fees divided by liquidity. And so liquidity, TVL, which had been a vanity metric, is actually a negative for us. That's because they don't earn money from their liquidity. And 
it's wild. But if you think of like an automated market maker, well, aren't you a market maker? Market makers earn money from their liquidity. They get paid a lot for their services. And so we wanted to change this up so that liquidity itself is earning us money and earning us enough money to actually be able to provide and take care of a team and to be able to value and justify the valuation of a like uh, of the token that makes it enough to incentivize liquidity, but also to earn enough money that we're not forever dependent on trying to keep that liquidity for one more day for 14 more days. Just stay in the door, please, with no actual hooks in, uh, inside. If you look at AstroVault right now, it's like, oh, 0% APR. Yeah. And we're already making about $1,000 a day now with, with, hardly any, with hardly any volume, with hardly any liquidity. We're making that much money because we're earning the staking rewards and we're earning the trade fees. And once we do launch our token, then we'll have the APR. But it's not just printing a token that's worthless. If you stake our token, you can stake it to earn Atom without voluntary contributions from Atom. If you stake our token, you can vote on Atom governance proposals with a higher per capita voting power than you would from staking Atom. Like it's, it's changing the way that, that DeFi has been set up from a science fair to a business. And it also uh, goes very well in hand with the uh, the ethos of Archway, I think, uh, just to add that and tie it back to the Archway as a chain, uh, which is the catchphrase again is, is the value capture chain. And in a sense, AstroVault is uh, is a perfectly is a perfect example of that. It's a perfect uh, AMM uh, example uh, of this. Uh, would you agree, Eric, or perhaps Ethan, if uh, your mic is okay? One hundred percent would definitely agree. Um, we built this product from the get-go to capture the value that it creates, and that's like one of the main problems that we see in the market. Is a lot of people are creating wonderful technologies. They're creating great products that are smooth, slick. They're easy to use. Um, problem is, is that the economics don't line up and the incentives don't line up. And so that's one thing that we wanted to really focus on with, with AstroVault and how we did things. And that's why we're kind of doing things a little different with the way that we're launching. And that's why we're doing the airdrop to our early users. We didn't want to just throw a bunch of money out to, you know, to the ether for a bunch of people to dump. We wanted to make sure that we were actually incentivizing the people with an interest in using the protocol and with a, with a vested interest in our success so we can succeed together. So talk to us a bit about what the, what's going on under the hood. Um, again, I mentioned the uh, the white paper, and uh, you have very interesting, uh, very well thought out uh, principles in there and uh, and explanations, really. Like, for example, you talk about the slippage-free uh, one-to-one trades alongside a traditional AMM model. Um, you talk about uh, so-called nebula pools and plasma pools. So talk to us about what goes you know, under the hood, basically, what goes under the hood of AstroVault? How do you make this possible, uh, earning that much yield from that little liquidity? That seems almost too good to be true. So let's uh, let's dive into that. Yeah. So um, when we get down to earn from the liquidity, what we're doing is we're basically staking the base, um, the base liquidity, and earning from the inflation, which. I could go on to a, a long tangent about the purpose of monetaristic inflation, how it's been like completely poorly done by proof of stake ecosystems. But basically, we retroactively solve it through AstroVault. And, and a, a comparison would be Coinbase. You know, if you go to Coinbase, you could be like, stake Adam to earn 6%. But realistically, they're staking it and they're earning 22% and only giving you 6%. And they're earning a whole bunch of Adam for tokens that are just sitting there staked. And on top of that, they act like they're only going to stake it once you click stake. But really, they're staking most of it regardless and just earning all 22% or 19% now. Uh, and then if you choose to click that, they'll give you 6% of it. 
And then they try to keep enough that's liquid to be available for withdrawals. And when there are too many withdrawals, they just turn off withdrawals. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, oh, shit, we overstaked. So we're just going to say there's an issue with Adam, and we're going to undelegate and get some more staking rewards in until we can open up withdrawals again. That's basically what we're doing as a DEX. Our base liquidity is staked. We're earning the staking rewards, which makes the AXV token and the AXV DAO valuable. We keep enough liquid for the withdrawals. That's the purpose of these plasma pools, where now you can trade through and you can still liquidate to the native asset. You still need to be able to get to Adam. You still need to be able to get to Arch. But most of the liquidity is going to stay in there as liquidity, and that can be staked. And now the entire DAO is earning more, and it's coming in as liquidity. And it's coming in adding to that queue to enable people to liquidate to the native asset, but it's all owned by the DAO. That's why we're not just saying protocol-owned liquidity, things that are done by like cronyistic bonds that are unsustainable, but protocol-earned liquidity, where from no other voluntary contribution, from no other Ponziistic or backroom handshakes, we are earning Atom, we are earning Arch, we are earning Jackal right now every single day. Beautiful. And Ethan, just a pitch in if uh, if there's anything you want to uh, add to what Eric is saying, but. What I want, what I think is uh, is interesting here is that the more I, I listen to Astrovolt and, and you guys talking, the more it reminds me of the early days of GMX on uh, Arbitrum. Obviously, not related to Cosmos, but I think uh, there's some there's some overlap there. But um, yeah, talk to us about the space. Uh, I guess that you operate in. Obviously, the space of AMMs and DEXs are very big right now. There's there's a ton in many other ecosystems also. But yeah, is it a fair comparison to to, to compare Astrovault to uh, to something like GMX? Um, it's not taking. Um, I, I maybe I, I'm flattered by that. Thank you. Uh, it's um. Yeah, I, I hope so. We'll see. What we do think of, yes, obviously the AMM space is like very crowded and we need more new types of apps in, in crypto, which account abstraction will unlock a lot of. Um, but what we're doing is actually a completely alternative model to the way Cosmos has really wrongly evolved. And this isn't just like, oh, I think my model's better. It's that the current model that they're pursuing fundamentally is broken and flawed and does not make sense. We actually dive into the math in it in our white paper. Section six, we go into auto compounding staking derivatives, how they literally cannot maintain pegs. You now start using those as the base assets for um, for lending protocols. And now you have all these Oracle risks that just fundamentally shouldn't work. All of this to try to make applications work that don't make any money. So their tokens don't work. And you're seeing teams laying off like their, their team members that they're not able to fill raises because they aren't they aren't properly set up businesses. What does make sense, like, yes, it kind of says that we think that almost all of what you see in Cosmos is probably going to fail, but the foundation of Cosmos is great. It's got the best tech. Crypto is the future. So it's about investing in what this next wave is going to be, the actual th businesses, the actual things that sell, that sell products, that have clients, that can grow and become the next Amazons and Googles. And that involves what we believe is application-specific staking derivatives. Not just us. We're not saying only Astrovault's going to do this. We're saying that every single application is going to do this, and we're going to be the base layer for all of it. Every single lending protocol should have their own non-auto compounding derivative, kind of like our X atom. They should have their own version, and then they can now earn revenue from their collateral. They can use it to automatically repay their loans, or they can use it to justify their token, which they give out to lenders, traders, whatever they want to do with it. But now they're actually earning revenue 
they're securing the chain and random people who are stakers who aren't really doing that much are earning less so that these applications can earn more. And as this starts propagating and working way better and oracles are safer and um, these companies can raise because they actually are making revenue, they're going to need also need ways to liquidate their version of this non-auto compounding derivative for the native asset. And we built out that infrastructure. So they have to type it, They have to tie into Astro Vault to do that. Out of curiosity, Eric, do you think um, real yield, which is what I'm hearing uh, you say is going to be the big winners or the Amazons of crypto. Um, do you think real yield is that narrative? Is that going to be the next big thing in the next cycle? No. Um, I, I, versions of it, I think protocol earned liquidity will be. Uh, and so I think that's going to take over from what people consider real yield right now. Um, people are focused on real yield as a percentage, but they are misunderstanding the, the baskets of how it works. For example, um, I, Osmosis is now doing this new type of like pick your own type of concentrated liquidity basket. You can earn higher trade fees and they're focused on like what level of trade fees you're getting. Now, if they move to more concentrated liquidity, they might be able to get that trade fee per like the LP percentage in trade fees higher. Say they get it from like 4% up to 10%. That's great, but they're not actually earning more in fees. So the amount of revenue total isn't going up but the amount of liquidity is going down so the LPs are feeling it higher. The issue with that is LPs aren't the only people that need to be incentivized on osmosis. They also have their own blockchain. They need to incentivize network stakers. They need to incentivize an entire validator layer. They also need to incentivize their entire team, which is currently earning 25% of, incentive, uh, of inflation, which how are they going to do that once they run out of inflation? So the issue is they're not actually earning more revenue They're just splitting up the revenue less in the specific basket of LPs, but they still need more actual revenue to give bring over to these other baskets. So it's being looked at improperly. Makes sense. Makes sense. You've mentioned a few times uh, tokens from other AMMs and DEXs. Let's talk about the AV, AVX token um, and how it's different, really, because I think you uh, you come from a hardcore economics tokenomics background um it's very clear when reading through the white paper that this has really been <laughs> thought through uh this is not something that you uh just uh, put together over a weekend uh, some really beautiful um thoughts in there i think and, and principles and concepts that uh, that really holds merit so uh, so yeah talk to us about the token Thank you, man. First and foremost, I, I really appreciate that. We we do put our heart and soul and everything into what we're doing and believe in, in our vision and our team. So uh, thank you. That means a lot that it's coming through. Um, our, our token's different. Right now you see, oh, this is a DAO token. It governs this DAO. There's a treasury of our own tokens that it governs, which you could do what you want with. And you're completely dependent on the liquidity hosted against that token. Um, it's like, what can you do with like an atom? You can stake it to earn more atom. But now the idea of the atom economic zone is, oh, well, if I can stake it to also earn something else, that's cool. Well, we're doing that on super steroids because, yeah, you get AXV. We're going to be the first airdrop. Like, sure, you want to take our, your airdrop and sell it to Adam? Go ahead. Absolutely no three comma three mentality. The price goes down. We're just going to be burning more of it because of the automatic buyback and burn pressure from our from our trade fees. But the other thing you can do is you can stake it to earn Adam. You can take your airdrop of AXV from using Astro Vault. And you can stake it and you can earn Atom. And you don't run out of Atom rewards. You can stake it and you can earn Atom from that forever. 
And you can stake it and earn Atom and vote on Atom governance proposals. Because now that we have this staked Atom, we're actually securing the chain itself. We have governance power in that chain, which we relay to our token holders. We have stake and rewards in that chain, which we relay to our liquidity, which is owned, like legally owned by the token holders. Like we've put so much time and money and uh, effort into this, where it's like a Panamanian foundation governs this DAO treasury and the legal beneficiaries are the AXV token holders, like the AXV token holders. So it's legally their money. And so now if you want to spend proposal, like, hey, let's go sponsor some marketing proposal. Like we could be like, okay, let's spend $20,000 of Atom, $30,000 of Arch, and maybe $20,000 of AXV. But literally we can spend whatever we want because we're earning a basket of a bunch of different currencies. And in the end game, eventually we can turn off inflation. AXV is fully deflationary. It still has stake in rewards. It's still being bought back and burned from the volume. But what makes us succeed long-term, our actual, like what we're dependent on for this to work long-term is is our clients, the layer ones who, whose liquidity we're hosting to succeed. If we have Adam and Arch and Jackal and all these other L1s we're going to list and all of them go to zero, then our treasury of assets goes to zero as well. So we become basically a super VC where we have to help them find product market fit. We have to help market them and make them succeed because we're li- literally invested in them. It almost reminds me, and I know this is super annoying to be compared to other projects out there, um, but I think it's helpful also for the listener to sort of understand on a high level uh, what AstroVault and the AXV token is all about. But it almost reminds me of Kuchi, at least the first time I heard of Kuchi and Kuchira ecosystem, um, where you stay Kuchi and you get uh, rewards in all kinds of tokens uh, being used um, and paid as gas fees on the Kujira network. It almost sounds like the staking AXV, at least the end result, is, uh, is somewhat similar, where you get uh, rewards and yield in uh, various different tokens like Atom, etc. Is that a fair comparison? Or um, uh, yeah. n- No, but thank you for making it. Um, it your rewards from staking Kuji are incredibly low because they're entirely dependent on trade fees, and you're not going to make enough from fees. You're not going to make enough from nickeling and diming users to to actually justify not only more than a team, but also like an entire ecosystem. It's just not enough. You cannot charge your users enough to make that to make that practical. Um, and, and they're built next to an ecosystem where there's water hoses on an inflation. And like what you're trying to take from your users as a tiny trade fee, other people are minting every six seconds, every time a block comes out. And it's the same thing. And so it's like it, it, governments print money, right? Like monetaristic inflation is a thing. It should be a thing. It makes things more efficient. But we're the business that has government subsidies that, that like literally we build a government. We have the government contract. When they're printing money, we're the hospital that they're giving that printed money to. And you can still have other like other hospitals that are trying to do things pro bono and trying to get grants and whatnot. But if they're not getting the grants, if they're not getting the government subsidies, they, they, they run dry. And it's... I really like Coogee. I'm glad that they survived the Terra Luna ecosystem. I'm still frustrated that they don't quite understand how collateral works for the stable coin. Um, they're, hmm. they're, they're following the die model, like fundamentally from an economic philosophy perspective, people do not understand how collateralization works in the space. Um, but two, just because they don't have inflation doesn't mean it's better. It means that they have more time to figure it out. But honestly, there is efficiency hmm. in monetaristic inflation. There should be some form of token printing and that would make them work better. So I love where their heart's at, but they could do things a lot more efficiently. 
What it really is about is counterinflationary measures. You can have inflation, but you need to counter that inflation with something, right? It can't just strictly be a speculative asset. There has to be something that's that's keeping this valuable. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, so yeah, and I know it's as I said, it's, it's always annoying to be compared to other projects, but uh, but yeah, I think it's helpful for the listener. So, if you if you were to compare Astrovault to anything, how how would you guys? Uh, what does Astrovault resemble? Is it something completely novel and new? Um, that could also be <laughs> the honest answer. I don't know. Honestly, I'd probably compare it mostly to Coinbase, um, just a decent, an actual decentralized version of Coinbase. So, like, let me, the history of how, like, Uniswap started is uh, basic, like, they're like, hey, we want to build Coinbase on chain. We read Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper. He's like, if we're reliant on these third-party companies, then we're screwed. We need to be able to move past that decentralized. So, like, they had their ethos. They built it out. They needed liquidity in order to do that. They gave the trade fees to liquidity providers because like, this is Coinbase's revenue. We'll give it to the LPs. Great. It worked. They'll mm-hmm. pat themselves on the back and clap. And then they're like, but wait a minute. Coinbase had this revenue. We just gave all that revenue to the liquidity providers. We don't have any revenue anymore. How do we profit <laughs> off this? You know what? Let's launch a token. Literally, that is the model of, of how it started. And that's what's been replicated. Oh, crap. We don't have revenue. Let's launch a token. And hopefully people just think it's valuable for no reason when it has no revenue. Meanwhile, Coinbase isn't actually just dependent on those trade fees. Coinbase is actually staking like a bank. Like a bank doesn't hold all your money in vaults. They're investing that money and earning rewards on it. And so Coinbase is staking the atom that they have on their exchange and earning a ton. They're staking their avalanche, like all of the different tokens. They're staking Ethereum and earning those rewards and they're getting the trade fees. And that's a huge missing piece that's not available in DEXs because you have to actually have access to that money. You can't just have them go off and lose your funds, but we can do this safely where you have access to your money. You can't lose your funds. You can take your X derivative and unmint it and provably have access to those state funds. But meanwhile, the liquidity is still actually earning something to make it more sustainable than just trying to nickel and dime our users. Beautiful, beautiful. As I said in the beginning, this is uh, something that has been worked in detail for quite some time. I, I feel like when I'm reading through the white paper, I think uh, this conversation <laughs> is definitely a proof of that. And uh, we haven't even gone into uh, many of the parts in the white paper, like the GR, GRVT8 um, contract and the, uh, the various different, like you have a nice graph comparison of the value capture that the uh, Nebula pools and the Plasma pools uh, makes the organic bonding like there's a lot to uh, unpack there but i'll let the uh, the listener the interested listener uh, go in and check out for themselves because we can't we can't cover it all uh, all i can say is that this is this is definitely something that has been worked through uh, so well done guys there let's talk about what's ahead because it's early days for both archway and uh, astrobolt uh, what's the uh, short-term roadmap how does that look like because i think we can talk long-term roadmap, of course, but there's a lot happening, I can imagine, uh, these days. Yeah, so uh, we currently don't have a token live, obviously, as Eric mentioned before. Uh, we will be providing an airdrop to the early adopters of the platform. So first and foremost, um, getting the liquidity in and getting the airdrop out to the early users. And then from there, we've got a few different things planned. We're going to have some NFT integrations into the platform where you'll actually be able to stake an NFT from a partner project and earn a boosted APR on the exchange for doing so, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, Eric, any other things you want to touch on that are coming up? 
in the short term? Yes. Uh, so we have two pools um, that you can read about in the white paper that are listed right now. And we're in final testing of our new type of pool. I think if we're moving forward with the name Time Flux, I really like that. <laughs> oh, man. Drawing some real alpha. This is yeah. some, some uh, bleeding edge alpha, alpha here. So <laughs> we're, we're already out here making bold claims like, hey, we are the most profitable decks in all the Cosmos ecosystem with our $500,000 in liquidity and like $100,000 in daily trade volume. So it's like, yeah, if Osmosis had our tokenomics, they'd be making 40 plus million dollars a year and they make nothing. So a skip makes them 30K a month. Like that's that's not sustainable. We're, we're not saying like, oh, we're going to kill Osmosis. We're saying that they're set up to fail. Hopefully they can trade change some things. We're building something that's much more sustainable from the start. But what we're also, another bold claim we're making now is with this new type of pool, basically it will be a single order book trading pool that fluctuates the single order pair with time um, from live Oracle reads with a crap ton of fail safes in place in case it doesn't order properly like it, it won't screw you over we have been forefront leaders in the concept of oracle attacks we've itemized a bunch of other exchanges that aren't safe right now because of oracle attacks just saw what went down on comdex um like we <laughs> there are lots of issues oho's doing great work from the oracle side but also protocols are just being set up improperly to need things like oho which like they need to understand what, what's going on here. But basically what this is going to enable is four assets in which we don't take part in their price discovery. Uh, that, that would be a, an attack vector for us. Uh, so we won't use it with Arch. We won't use it with AXV. But USDC and Bitcoin, ETH and Bitcoin, USD, USDC and Atom, uh, these things where their pricing is most predominantly based on things like Coinbase and outside of our control, we can have them trade more efficiently on Astro Vault than they can on Coinbase and Binance. Lower trade fee, zero slippage. Uh, so we should have the first version of that pool out in two weeks. We're going to be using it for an X-Arch with S-Arch based pairing, which is liquid finances, auto compounding derivative, just to showcase we can still onboard um, auto compounding derivatives, which other people use and have general purpose. Nobody would use our derivatives outside of Astro Vault if they're not meant to be. Um, every application should have their own. But then we get Bitcoin and ETH. Then we get USDN Atom and showcase how fundamentally different and more efficient this is. And that will still be yeah a month before we launch our token. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Lower trade fees and zero slippage. I think that's the catchphrase you guys should repeat over and over again because nobody nobody dislikes that. <laughs> Everybody will buy into that uh, that message, uh, that core message. So um, what I like to do sometimes in these spaces uh, when we have time, and I think we do here, um, is to allow ourselves to dream a bit. Uh, I know this is early days and uh, yeah, a lot to do in the short term, as you, as you just outlined. But um, how, if you look back, if you, if you sit uh, 5, 10, 15 years from now and, uh, and look back at AstroVault and uh, have a sense of pride because you executed exactly what you set out to build, uh, today, really, because <laughs> uh, you just went live. Um, how would Astro Vault look like then in 5, 10, 15 years from now? Pick pick whatever number you want to pick. Astro Vault will be the financial infrastructure for DeFi. Just not, not Cosmos or overall DeFi. Astro Vault will be the fundamental infrastructure. There will be other versions, people that copy our model, do slight spin-offs with our model, but it will be based on our model. Um, we will have the first mover advantage will be with Avalanche, Polkadot, Ethereum, just absolutely everywhere. And all of the margin trading, which will be far more popular, all of the lending protocols, over collateralized, under collateralized, everything will use our infrastructure to make what they do far more efficient. And then what will really 
set us apart five to 10 years from now is that traditional businesses that have nothing to do with blockchain, that have nothing to do with Web3, will utilize our infrastructure for hosting the liquidity of what they use because it's far more profitable. Things that are, are stopping them from using DeFi right now because they destroy anything in their wake. We're building the first thing that they can't destroy. Um, so <laughs> casinos, instead of, instead of relying on, on bank loans and that are pay, charging them 4% per year and they never actually pay them off, they just get more and more loans but they have higher and higher bills, will instead get crowdfunded and have that money making, making money on DeFi protocols such as Astro Vault. But meanwhile, we're getting governance power in all of those actual businesses. Uh, in, in general, tokens are going to become the new stock. It's not stock that's going to be tokenized. It's like it's all going to be tokens in the future. It's all going to be digital. And we want to lay the groundwork for all of the bigger protocols to come where they tie into us. Right on, man. Let me just dwell on that a bit because what you talk about being the financial infrastructure requires a hell of a lot of interoperability. How is that powered? Is that powered by IPC? Or how, how will you make Astrovol available on Polkadot, uh, Ethereum, whatever ecosystem uh, you guys are going to tackle? That's a great question. Um, we're working closely with Axelar, Composable. Uh, right now, we'll work on with Peggy, we'll be doing more of our own bridging solutions. Uh, we'll be doing different outposts. Whatever it takes, we'll figure it out. We mm -hmm. can redeploy. We can have multiple deployments. We can do things like account abstraction in the next several months. Like There are tons of ways to go about it. And that's honestly where a lot of the best building in tech is going right now. And to figuring out mm -hmm. how to make this all interoperable. That's not our focus. That's their focus. And we'll use their infrastructure. And we'll give them boosted mm -hmm. rewards and help make them profitable in doing so by, by being their top customers as well. So it, it doesn't, we're not a one-stop shop for everything. We are definitely a, a, a middleware, a financial middleware. Our, our clients mm -hmm. are L1s. Our clients are anybody who needs liquidity for their token. And we can offer it far, far more and better services for nothing out of pocket. Whereas everyone else is being charged out the wazoo. <laughs> so. mm. Interoperability is, is generally a, a tough nut to crack. Uh, it's also why I, I asked the question for someone uh, like you, who, you guys, who's very deep into, into the weeds here. Uh, we're obviously, being the Cosmos Club, we're very bullish on IPC. But um, yeah, it could, it could be something else. Axelor, you mentioned. Uh, today, there was even a, an announcement of Wormhole. Maybe you saw, we actually did a, a threat on the Wormhole gateway, which is... Uh, Looking like on the surface, at least as a uh, as a direct competitor to to Axelar, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Interoperability is uh, is is one of the things that we need to to crack uh, in order for mass adoption uh, to come to crypto. If you ask me, at least um, I don't know if you disagree with that statement, but yeah, interoperability is key for mass adoption. If you ask me, you're you're spot on. Axelar is brilliant. IBC is brilliant. I'm nervous about the tokenomics of different things, but our big thing is we cannot be fully dependent or reliant on any one of these things. We have to be will mm. able and willing to migrate and to uh, adapt as we go. Right now, our bet is on Cosmos. Our bet is on Archway. It's entirely possible that we succeed, but Archway and Cosmos don't. So we have to be able and willing to go other places if that's the case, because like Facebook isn't reliant on the on the protocols underneath it. Like we are, we think that apps are the biggest thing to come with. Apps are the actual businesses and they have to make that work. So we'll go with the flow. We'll try to pick and choose winning battles and, and hope that, hope that we're right in our gambles to make things easier, but we'll adapt and grow as we go. 
And just to tie a bow on that, actually, how do you see Archway uh, helping AstroVault to uh, to push your mission, the long-term mission, being a financial financial infrastructure for anything uh, in the financial ecosystem? How do you see Archway being a crucial piece and a chain to accomplish that? Well, they for sure have the, the same shared ethos, you know, that hyper-focus on providing uh, sustainable business models to projects and to, to making sure that the projects that are built on Archway have decent business models. Um, that's one thing that right out the gate is very different about Archway is they are hyper-focused on the value capture um, for the individual projects. And uh, like, for instance, Astrovault has at least three different revenue streams just for being built on Archway that we wouldn't have elsewhere. Um, that is incredibly valuable. And I think you'll see a lot more builders and developers building things out on Archway as we go into uh, the next quarter here. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would pay money for a solid blockchain to be handled without us having to build, maintain, handle it, all the integrations and everything. I would pay good money for that to make sure our app is up and working all the time. I would not pay $300 million a year for that because that's what Uniswap's <laughs> paying Ethereum right now. And they're getting none of that. So if we could find a hybrid where we don't have the risk of being built on a layer one that itself captures zero value, so we can't rely on them maintaining a team, maintaining like uh, integrations and whatnot, like most L1s, they fundamentally, they, they don't sell anything. Uh, they, they don't have clients and all of the tokens and all of the products on them would work if the token price of the L1 went down by another 99%. Uh, so that scares me, like that's risky. So we need to pay something to the L1 but we also don't want to do that in vain. And we think Archway's kind of hybrid model between Cosmos and Ethereum is, is the perfect, at least, shot at that. I can't help but ask, um, you mentioned Uniswap a few times, and obviously they have astronomical numbers. If you guys had the same numbers as Uniswap, or if Uniswap built the exact same thing that you're building on Archway, how much would they make? It must be a crazy number. Several billion a year. Uh, it depends a bit. We, we'd have to re-go through the numbers. The the tokens that they're holding on their site are less inflationary. Things like Ethereum has much lower staking APRs than things like Atom. Mm. Um, however, yeah, several billion dollars a year. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I can't wait to see when uh, Uniswap launches their own chain or launches something on a Cosmos chain, an app chain or something like DYDX. <laughs> they, um, yeah, the Uni token holders are... I info field day <laughs> when that happens. Yeah, well, I mean, until then, uni token holders earn nothing right now. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's the fundamental flaw. If your business works and your token doesn't capture any value from it, what's the point of your token? And that's with my background in tokenomics, True. that's the entire plan. I, I love what Ripple is doing tech, like from a technical perspective. I would totally buy stock in the Ripple t- company. And fundamentally, I know like, oh, well, for cross-country things that you need, should have the XRP token. Like, no, the entire infrastructure works without their token. They could mm-hmm. take over a $10 trillion industry with the XRP token being worth less than one cent. Why would I touch it? And that's, mm-hmm. that's a fundamental flaw in the tokenomics of a lot of these cool products that are bringing out tokens as though they're equity, but they're not. And they don't actually directly mm-hmm. capture value from anything they make. Amen to that. Guys, how do you want to close this thing off? How can we, we help you as a community? Um, I mean, people are super excited about Archway. I'm sure they are getting more and more excited about AstroVault the more they hear about it, just like we are, and the AXV token. Um, how can we help you? How can we help uh, push your mission here? Yeah, so first and foremost, anybody looking to get in on, on AstroVault and uh, participate, 
can uh, provide liquidity first and foremost on the exchange. Um, that will be a, a way to secure an airdrop for you. We will be launching the token shortly and um, also join our social channels, our Telegram, our Discord. Uh, both are available on the site, astrovault.io. Anything else, Eric? Uh, yeah, specifically how you guys could help us is uh, deposit single side LP, regular native Atom, and the Atom X Atom pool. We have finally got live once we had some liquidity. Our liquidity is still really low. And you know how I talked earlier about like us being like Coinbase? We could run out of withdrawable assets and have to freeze withdrawals. We're actually pretty close to that uh, rate limiting factor on the Atom like the atom pool specifically and we do have bigger atom partners that will come in in the next week or two but until then to keep things usable for uh for our users uh that would help us a lot which pools were that again atom and x atom was that the two pools yeah just deposit single side atom in the atom x atom pool so it's a stable pool there's zero risk of impermanent loss you have access to atom and x atom which is staked atom you'll qualify for an airdrop and that would help us beautiful beautiful let that sink in guys and uh, we'll make sure to share the message far and wide to the community guys thank you so much for coming on eric and ethan uh, this was uh, this was awesome you guys are doing well and uh, well deserved i think uh, there's a lot of hard work uh, behind the scenes i know uh, to both the astrovol product and the axme token so well done guys you're on your way thank you sir we really appreciate you taking the time to have us on here yeah, thank you so much, man. Definitely, man. Not the last time that we hear from you, I'm sure. So uh, good luck until I uh, see you next time. So uh, yeah, see you guys and uh, all the best. Ciao. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com, that is blockbases.com.